You're listening to Women Making Waves. Casa Pancho MBE, she started up a professional ballet company for international dancers of black and Asian descent. And you went down to meet her, didn't you, Susie? Mm, I did go down and it was really interesting to go to Marleybone, to the ballet company, actually, and uh, meet Casa. She's a very interesting lady. She looks beautiful. She looks like a ballerina. She was sitting in her chair with her legs folded. And I thought, I can't do that let alone anything else. Anyway, she was lovely and she gave us a fantastic insight into how she started this in 2001, trying to promote black and Asian dancers. So I'm hoping you'll be able to enjoy this interview. And so I decided I would write a dissertation about the lack of black women in British ballet in those days and earlier than that because I was talking to people that had trained in the 80s and 90s felt ballet wasn't open to them that they weren't welcome in a ballet class if they were in a class they'd be the only black face there they would have been told by their teachers you should think about contemporary or African or hip-hop that's where you'll get a career some people think that's outrageous so what I hope we've done is open the door to the conversation We've become equally known for commissioning new ballet, which wasn't being done again in, back in the, in the early days of Ballet Black. It's happening a lot more now. I started this company, so whatever I choose to do has to be right for Ballet Black because it's sort of a part of me. There have got to be more perspectives out there than these old fairy tales, however much you update them or, or transplant them to a different time and in, in, in space. I started Ballet Black because at that time in 2001, I was at professional dance school and was really surprised when I had arrived there three years earlier that, that there were no black people or mixed race people on the teaching staff, in the student body, as someone from a mixed race background. And because I don't look like my father is from the Caribbean, I would hear a lot of comments from teachers about black students having flat feet or big bums or or saying things like that girl's not going to be able to turn because she's got too much hair referring to her natural afro hair and I thought well that's interesting isn't it you don't know who's listening to what you're saying so you don't know that you're being really offensive I mean that's the generous view and so I decided I would write a dissertation about the lack of black women in British ballet I'll interview four or five black women in professional ballet and see what they're saying. And of course I went out to do that and there were no black women in any of the big British companies. And did that surprise you? Uh, it did and and now I don't know why it surprised me. Mm. But I think when I was a student I wasn't able to go to the ballet all the time and I didn't have the money to buy tickets and things like that. So my knowledge was a little bit limited and in those days we didn't have YouTube and if you wanted to see a foreign company you'd have to go and borrow the video from the library and watch it. My own view was quite sheltered so it was very surprising to me then and it forced me to rethink the question so the dissertation was meant to be about these women and, and their experiences but because there weren't any of those women I had to go back and say well where are those women I had to interview female contemporary dancers male ballet dancers um, I managed to interview one African-American ballerina who happened to be on tour in Scotland at the time but it was a big eye-opener and the main conclusion was that a lot of black people in those days and earlier than that because I was talking to people that had trained in the 80s and 90s felt ballet wasn't open to them 
that they weren't welcome in a ballet class. If they were in a class, they'd be the only black face there. They would have been told by their teachers, you should think about contemporary or African or hip hop. That's where you'll get a career. So probably well-meaning teachers, but it all perpetuates that idea that black, black girls shouldn't do ballet. They were also told, you know, you should break your feet, reset them so they point better. Is it just they were telling uh, black and Asian dancers that they had to break their feet, or is that something that is normal in ballet? Oh, that's not normal. Right. It was something okay. that was being told to the black women that I interviewed. Why were they told to do that? Um, because of the stereotypical perception that black women's feet don't point enough to go into point shoes so that you get this curved shape with the foot. It's equally... Having flat feet is equally prevalent in white, Asian and any other colour society, but it's sort of just something that hangs over black dancers more than right. white dancers. So, you know, obviously if you're told something like that when you're uh, quite a vulnerable teenage stage and you're already in professional training, which is very exposing, you know, you're in front of a mirror every day and yeah. your body is doing funny things, it's devastating and it can cert and would certainly put you off that kind of career for life. So you finished your dissertation, mm -hmm. but you almost changed the direction of the yeah. dissertation, so you were finding them as opposed to interviewing them. Yes. And from there... Where did you start the Ballet Black? Was that a few years after? Or? No, when I left. Ooh, straight away then? Uh, yeah, wow. straight away. And it started with a ballet class. So one of the things that came out of the research questions was I felt like the only black face in the room. Teacher was white, the other students were white. So I asked a friend of mine who was just retiring from English National Ballet, and he was one of the first black dancers there, if he would learn to be a ballet teacher. So he was a ballet dancer, but he'd never taught before. And I thought, if we have a black teacher, that already changes the tone in the room. And he said, OK, I'll give it a go. And that's what we did. We um, set up a class. It was called Ballet Black. Just at the time, it was like, that's a placeholder name. We'll call it something much better and less in your face if it ever becomes real. Um, and I started this class, and, and Denzel Bailey, he taught the first couple of years. And just through word of mouth, we started to get loads of black dancers coming from all over the place. Not all ballet dancers and not everyone that wanted to, to go into ballet but people that liked the idea of what it was about and and wanted to just come and see the reaction to starting a ballet black because everybody says well why do you want to do just black yeah i mean also in 2001 there was two or three black dancers maybe in the uk working professionally and denzel had just retired actually so that might have just been two and my feeling has always been you need to go to a show and see yourself reflected everywhere. Um, in the future, hopefully, things will change. But I don't want you to go along to a show if you're a young black girl or boy and watch and just see that one dancer at the back that looks like you. I want you to come and see role models all over the stage. And they all might be slightly different, like someone you know, might wear their hair like you do or someone's got braids or you know, some of them are mixed race, some are black, some are Asian. So it, it's, it is diverse in itself but it really upset lots of people what was the sort of harshest reaction probably people saying well if i start ballet white people will say that's racist so how come you're not racist i love the way you roll your eyes yeah. i have to say that because <laughs> it, i'm asked several questions and i can tell this is something that it's you stuck yeah stuck absolutely um and that is still something we hear today yeah there is a, a term, as we all know, unconscious bias, and then there's subconscious bias. Now, the unconscious bias I know 
we don't realise we're actually doing something that can be racist, prejudiced. Have you felt that the unconscious or the subconscious bias is prevalent and it has been in ballet for a very long time, not just for black and Asian people, but for generally in ballet? Do you think it's been...? Uh, yes, yeah, mm. I do, in all sorts of ways. Um, I mean, in speaking specifically from a, a mixed-race background, there's definitely the idea that black dancers should do something athletic and strong and funky and you know but if you say no I want I want to do Odette or Odile from Swan Lake I want to do something where she's very gentle or soft or nurturing or uh, there's a stereotype that hangs over black women that they're strong angry powerful but never anything else yeah and that's been in the media quite a bit, isn't mm. it, about black people or black dancers or black women in general, mm. that they're aggressive and and they they have this personification that that's... But it's the media's touch on Absolutely. this. Absolutely. And it's their way. And, and I, I'm fascinated by this mm. political stance on it and this... I almost think it's touching on the slavery narrative as well. How, as a... You are artistic director of Ballet Black, but you also found it. Ballet Black and congratulations you have an MBE. Do you think Ballet Black is helping to uh, create a better, better racial equality in the dance world? Do you think you've done enough? I think having a company called Ballet Black is taking a stance. I'd like to think what we have done is provide, the, the name is an irritant. Some people think that's outrageous but I think what it does is it provokes you to talk about it and then sometimes you can get past the ballet white people and say but look of all the big companies in the UK one has a British black woman she just joined a year ago one has a black American woman so she's not from this country Mm -hmm. and then a couple of them have three of them have mixed race women who if we're talking about colour are at the very light end of the scale Mm -hmm. that's five women Mm -hmm. working in the UK so that to me says there's still a lot to do so what I hope we've done is open the door to the conversation I know now that we're sort of getting on to 18 19 years that dancers that are in other companies now say oh I saw you when I was 10 and it really inspired me but um I I think it it's just it's constantly saying you can do ballet you can come and watch a ballet mm. you can go and do a ballet class no one is is saying everybody has to become a professional because it's really hard whatever color you are and we're not taking anything away from other dancers but if you come to a ballet black show the audience is very diverse compared to other ballet companies mm. and our school is full of kids of all different colors it's not just black students they're black white asian mixed race everything in between and those kids black or white are taught by mixed race black asian teachers so it's totally normal for the white kids to have a black woman teaching them mm. And, you know, so it's just about normalising things as well. And that is interesting. It's almost like your your school, hopefully, will be the future of all ballet schools. Exactly. And that's... Is that your intent? Was that your intention? Yes. I mean, at the beginning, it was just like, oh, my God, how do I keep this going? But yes, and the companies will start to look like that too. We don't expect all ballet companies to become 50% black, 50% not black. But we're just saying there's still some work to do. And I really like this sentence. Our ultimate goal is to see fundamental change 
in the number of black and Asian dancers in mainstream ballet companies, making that vision wonderfully unnecessary. And I love that <laughs> sentence. And, and was that your aim initially, to make mm. it part of the course, that we wouldn't even think about yeah. it? Because at the moment we are thinking about it, and quite rightly we're debating, mm. we're putting it into the forefront. Yeah, that's it. That's the intention. But I know we can't get there without the big, the big debates and people getting upset and the ballet whites and the you know the debate about brown shoes and whether they they're acceptable on brown tights. I, Twenty years from now, we're going to look back and go, I can't believe anyone even the precious should wear pink tights or you know. But we're just not there yet. What really has mattered most about your time here? Have you still stuck to the core belief? Um, We've definitely stuck to the core belief. Alongside that, almost parallel to to providing role models and, and a platform for black and Asian dancers, we've become equally known for commissioning new ballet which wasn't being done again in, back in the, in the early days of Ballet Black. It's happening a lot more now. But in the earlier days, if you wanted to make a ballet, the big ballet companies weren't commissioning stuff. So you're, one of the few places you could go in London was, was to us. So we became equally known for that. And that also meant that critics would start to come along and review the work. And it would still say, it's, da- it's a company for black dancers. But then it would talk about the work, whereas in the beginning it was all about the blackness of the dancers and then maybe a little bit about the show they'd seen. And, and that has started to change until now. People still talk about it, obviously, because it's, it's ballet black and it's, it's right there in your face. But now they talk about the work and the quality of the dancers, not for a black woman, she's good, or for a black guy, he's good. It, it's, the tone has changed over the years. What are you most frightened about? What, would, what frightens you most? I've never been asked that question before. I feel that I started this company, so whatever I choose to do has to be right for Ballet Black because it's sort of a part of me. But that means that if I do my job well, hopefully the company will live on beyond my running it, which is a relatively new... I always thought, oh, if I don't want to do this anymore, it's going to have to just stop because... Who's going to want to take over this massive job and, you know, they call it online abuse. (laughs) But now I think um, we're getting to a point, not where I'm considering leaving, but where it, because of the funding and the reputation and the growth of the company, that someone could take over. So I suppose my biggest fear would be making sure I'd found the right person to take over. Mm, And just take on. So I don't have to keep coming back going, no, 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 stop doing that, which I probably would do anyway. (laughs) But I would try not to. I'd try very hard not to. And if you were to choose people that you admire oh boy. at a table, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be a ballet, it can be anyone <laughs> you like, but would they be, they were your desired mentors? Mm-hmm. Different people have been great mentors at different stages of Ballet Black's life. In the early days, Deborah Bull, who's now Baroness Bull, she had retired as a ballerina at the Royal Opera, at the Royal Ballet, and she took over... Um, the other performance spaces in the Opera House. So it was called ROH2 and it was um, the Lindbury Theatre and the Claw, which is a little one upstairs. And her job was to programme in some unusual experimental... And I met her and she said, why don't you bring Ballet Black over here and use the studios at the weekend? And Wow, that's, and, yeah, that that's was fantastic. A, yes. And she was definitely a mentor and a sounding board and an advisor and a 
a fan and still is, I think, to this day, she sort of set me on a path to people taking Ballet Black more seriously. And she loved the name Ballet Black. She loved that it kind of got up your nose a bit. Do you think black and Asian dancers bring new life into ballet? At the moment, we want to steer away from is that the black dancer brings the the African dance or brings the other. All the dancers need to bring the ballet right now. Yeah. Um, I, I think dancers of all colours can probably be informed by what, what their own background is, their own cultural background. But it's it's just, it's a tricky one because it opens the door for those people that say, oh, they've got great rhythm. And in the storytelling of ballet, yeah. diverse dancers could definitely do definitely bring something new to ballet. I mean, with ballet, we're, we're still making Cinderella and Swan Lake and Hansel and Gretel. The same sorts of, same 20 or so stories are, are told again and again or remade. And sometimes in new and interesting ways, but, you know, like, they, they've got to be more perspectives out there than these old fairy tales. However much you update them or, or transplant them to a different time and in, in, in space. So I think... Like we have a new ballet coming out by one of our South African dancers and it's about the mining crisis in South Africa in the 40s and only only he could tell that story you know, only a South African could tell that story about black miners in that way I don't think it would work coming from somebody from a big company that had no knowledge or had, didn't come from that place in that time not that he's from the 40s but no. you know, didn't come from that cultural background but do you think plays like them, performances like mm. that and stories like mm. that, are they are they actually coming into places like the Opera House? As you see it for me, that's yeah. that's what it's all about. Yeah. Does that not bother you? Um, I think some of these big companies have a remit. They've got to get certain things on. They've got to please a big chunk of their audience that, are, that come for that traditional work and, you know, that is part of our ballet heritage, that those big traditional ballets. But what I'm saying is we don't only have to do that. We should be able to do a great Nutcracker or Giselle or Swan Lake and something about South Africa or an African fairy tale or a Caribbean story or something. Mm. Um, but you can't do any of that till the voices telling the stories change. You know, and it, yeah. it's always sort of older, yeah. often older white men telling these stories. Um, so when you change the makeup of who's telling the stories, you'll change what you see on stage and hopefully that will appeal to a wider audience. It's really lovely to talk to you, Casa Pancho. Thank you so much indeed for coming to Women Making Waves. My pleasure. That was Casa Pancho speaking to Susie.